Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. G'day, Coxie. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Great. I kind of feel like we already did an intro when we uh, recorded this because I was blabbering on about my son. Sort of did, but yeah. um, but you were using your podcast voice and now you, you're just using your normal voice. Oh, I can't tell the difference. <laughs> I can. <laughs> sound the same. If you can pick the difference between Coxie's normal voice and her <laughs> podcast voice, drop us a message on the Facebook page or I'm in the group. I'm going to get inundated and yeah, I'll have yeah, to yeah. say that I'm wrong. <laughs> Take grab a recording or something and send it into us. No, anyway, I'll still sound the same in my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I always sound the same in my head. So, uh, speaking of different voices, mm, today's that was amazing. guest is a bit of a different <laughs> voice. So it's a chick talking about mechanics. I love it. Yeah, and uh, I liked today's interview with a real tradie wife, who's it's kind of another real tradie daughter, isn't it? Yeah, um, but, a, but also a business owner. Yeah, yeah, uh, with a husband. So, cool story, but very straight talking. Mm. Um, and in actual fact, I kind of wished we'd recorded the little post-interview <laughs> chat. Uh, there was a few F-bombs dropped about um, the state of the industry and, and uh, apprenticeships and that sort of stuff. But it just it's always great to talk to people passionate about the yes. industry that they're in and about changing the face of some of these industries and some of the... Um, misconceptions and some of the old crappy beliefs that people have so um yeah great chat with lydia from bar automotive um taking over the family business and uh, taking it into the future so um awesome interview and uh, enjoy another one of our real tradey wives and if you like it and you're not in the free group um what the heck are you doing come on go go to facebook good old stalky and uh, go to Facebook groups, search for Tradies in Business, jump in there and join the conversation. There's people in there chatting about what Instagram hashtags to use and uh, how do you collect your debts and what do you do if you want to employ an apprentice. There's all sorts of questions being answered from other uh, experienced trade business owners. I think we we're approaching 1,200 or something in there now, Coxie. Mm-hmm. So pretty impressive group of people there. And, uh, of course, Coxie and I are hanging out in there as well. So, yeah, enjoy we'll today's there. chat. Hello, tradies in business. How are we this fine Tuesday morning? It's a little chilly here on the day we're recording. It's actually Friday in Brisbane and it's cold. Fancy that. How are you, Warwick? Thanks for joining me. I'm great. Thanks, Coxie. And I'm stoked to hear you've got your podcast voice on I again. Don't. <laughs> I sound like this when I talk to my children. What are you talking about? Uh, don't you use a few more profanities when you talk to your kids? Mm, depends whether they've been good or not, actually. <laughs> I have to tell you a story. This will make everybody laugh. My uh, my baby, not my husband's baby, we have a blended family, went for his peas test yesterday. It's the second time round. He failed oh. the first time. He's going to be so cross, but that's payback, Blake. Because I know he, he failed the first one. Failed the first one, went through a school zone and didn't notice it was a school zone. Oops. <laughs> On this one yesterday, he rang me at half past nine to say, oh, mum, you're not going to believe it. I, 
I failed again. Oh, my God, I was what? wild. Yep, he told me he'd gone through a stop sign up the back of um, near where we live. Oh, and they're no. not, I, you know, and I'm just thinking, oh, my kid's a loser. <laughs> I can't believe I've, I've <laughs> read a loser. Two times on his P test, he's failed, and I was really upset. And I cut him off in the end. I was that cranky and said, right, that's it. You've, you're not going again for another three months now. Clearly, you're not ready. Went and did halfway through my exercise class, checked my phone again, as I always do halfway through, and there was all these missed calls from my son. The little bugger had passed and thought it was appropriate to trick mum <laughs> into thinking. I kind of saw that coming. Yep. So, there were a lot of profanities yesterday. There you are. <laughs> That's a massive segue. But you little so-and-so. Oh, you bugger. Well, yes. it's it's not a bad segue, talking cars. Exactly. That's why I brought it up completely. Because today's guest, who is currently sitting on the line wondering when we're going to stop no. prattling on and actually <laughs> speak to her, is Lydia from Bar Automotive. Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really, um, I'm very excited to be on the podcast, actually. That's awesome. We well, love having excited guests. And it's it's impressive too, Lydia, because you're currently, you've locked yourself in your car <laughs> out the front of your business so I that you have. can speak to us. <laughs> I have. Unfortunately, I don't have, um, we have a really noisy workshop at the moment and I don't think anyone else really wants to listen to tools in the background. <laughs> I don't know. Some people like the sound of tools. So long as it's not customers that are the tools. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> so, Lydia, tell our listeners a bit about uh, your business, Bar Automotive, and um, and you're the big boss there now. I am, I am. So, uh, Bar Automotive actually has a really long history. Um, Dennis Barr, who I've known since I was born, uh, <laughs> opened it up probably a millennia ago, um, but about 40, 45 years ago. And then my parents bought it off him when he decided to retire because they have an auto-electrical workshop. Mm-hmm. And um, and then this year, um, I actually parted ways with some money and uh, purchased the business from my parents. And now I am a second-generation uh, automotive workshop owner wow that is wow that's pretty awesome is it something that was yeah, always on your radar is it something that you thought you would always do Lydia uh, look it's really funny that you say that actually because we had a 20-year reunion for my primary school <laughs> we had to read through what we wanted to do when we were older so my friends had like want to be a policeman want to be a fireman want to be a lawyer want to be a teacher all the usual stuff. I don't remember what I put in there. And I wrote down in the book that I wanted to work with my father in the workshop. Oh, so seriously? So that was when I was 11 years old. That's cool. Wow. That, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing to think that it's something that you'd lost but was obviously still stuck in the back of your head somewhere for it to come true. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I worked for them when I was 16 mm-hmm. and, um, and then as a good was working family does. It pushes all their children to go into university. Yes. Uh, which I did. So I did marketing, public relations, and then I went back again and I did management. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked in something totally different, which is uh, the event space. So mm-hmm. I was events manager and um, did quite a few years there and then decided to go back to my parents because I'd lost a couple of managers and I thought, oh, I'll just go and help them out for a bit. Mm-hmm. 
And helping them out for a bit ended up being a six-year stint. Mm-hmm. And um, and then and then my husband and I were chatting, and we both decided that we didn't want to go back to corporate life because it just it wasn't for us anymore. It was fun when we were younger, and it's just being back in the workshop really reinvigorated my love for cars and. You know, the customer service is real and I could use all of my skills and my knowledge in, in business and in marketing and, and public relations. And I found that I actually really enjoyed myself and just being able to smell the petrol and put my hands in grease and just be like that dirty little 11-year-old who loved to <laughs> run around in her dad's workshop was just, you know, it just ended up becoming this dream that that I thought okay well I have to do this now so uh, I think most tradies would be sitting here listening and thinking well what would somebody who's been to university know about running an automotive business whereas was and I are sitting here (laughs) looking at each other winking thinking you're in the perfect position to be running an automotive business with the experience that you've had before do you want to share how that transition came about and whether that was a difficult transition for you or whether it was easy to apply that practical knowledge that you had gained from your university degrees? Yeah, um, it was, at first I think it was a little bit difficult because you have coming from a totally different industry and a totally different background and also coming into your parents' business, you Mm -hmm. have all these ideologies about, you know, how you're going to shake things up and change the business and, you know, make the world a better place in this little (laughs) corner. Uh, And it doesn't actually work like that. So, you know, working with people who have essentially been doing the same job and been in the business for 40 years, it's very difficult to shake up those institutionalized ideas about what business is and how business should be running. Mm -hmm. And, um, Trying simple things like updating a website took me about two and a half years to to really get through their thick heads to say, hey guys, you need to understand that your presence and in word of mouth is not enough anymore. Mm. You need to show people that you're professional with having a website and saying, I actually care about my image, and that you know gets. Um, projected onto other people and say, okay, well, they have a good-looking website, all their copy looks good, Um, oh, okay, they're telling me about what they do rather than having images of 1980s-style website (laughs) flashing, you know, parts at them and photos of flashy cars. So um, really making them understand that by updating things, making things look a bit more authentic was really going to help them, was a really hard thing to do. Um, But once I started my own business, because I'd been, I guess, because I had the struggle Mm. of trying to convince other people what to do and having the ability to do it myself now, I found it a lot easier. I don't think that I would have found it as easy going from one one industry to another without having that segue. I think if I went directly from events into automotive by myself, I think that I would have really struggled because 
not having that experience as an adult mm. um, in in a business sense, probably I would have found it a lot more challenging than what I do currently because I've been able to put my ideas into practice and I guess test a lot of my ideas in a business that I didn't own at the time and see whether those, you know, in business you need to experiment Mm-hmm. Um, constantly to see whether things are going to work or not. And ha- having the flexibility of experimenting really assisted me in, you know, being more successful in my own business after having helped my parents. Lydia, how have you found, I guess, in some ways you've gone into a trade, even though you're not, uh, well, it sounds like, you're not mm-hmm. responsible for fixing the cars. Um, you, you've sort of you've gone into a trade, though, obviously as a woman. Um, yep. Without that on the tools experience, how have you found that? Um, I don't have much issue with the actual tradesmen or even people in the industry. What I found though is that a lot of old school customers. <laughs> have looked at me really funny and then mm. they're like, but you're a woman and you don't work on the car? Why are you telling me things? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, and a lot of it, funnily enough, a lot of it is women who mm. are actually proposing that judgment. People who know me and know that I am the daughter of, of an auto electrician understand that I have knowledge just because I've been around it. I don't necessarily have all the technical knowledge and I never claim to. Um, and I'll never lead someone on and say, okay, I'm a technician, I'm going to tell you what, what's wrong with your car. Um, I'll always advise people, okay, well, this is what we did in the service, this is what mechanics found, or your car's great, this is X, Y, Z of, of what the mechanics did. But I'll never claim to know that, that I am proficient in repairing cars because I'm not and I, I don't have a trade ticket. But the issue mainly is with um, with that old school mentality of men should be fixing vehicles and women shouldn't be in workshops. So <laughs> I haven't found too many issues, but it's mainly been with those old school customers yeah, that right. have a really warped sense of, what should be and what shouldn't be. Because one of the things that I guess Coxie and I hear a lot from tradespeople, uh, from tradies and business members, is that customers want to deal with the tradesperson, that they feel better yep. when the tradesperson is at the house or talking to them about the car or fixing their car, especially. Um, yep. Have you found that's something you've had to overcome as well, where people sort of you know, they want to talk to the mechanic or the auto electrician or whatever um, and not to you? Yeah, look, I have found that. And I think that by integrating, um, by integrating, I've always told my mechanics that there will be times when they'll need to speak to the customers. And by advising them that, um, advising the customers that if they do want to speak to a mechanic, they are welcome to. I think that really puts people at ease, mm. understanding that if they want to ask a technical question or even if they ask me a technical question and I'm happy to say, look, I can't answer that question for you. I'm not comfortable doing that. I'll grab the mechanic and, and 
you guys can have a discussion. And we'll all be in the room together or they'll speak to the mechanic on the phone. Um, I found that by being really flexible has put a lot of customers at ease and by allowing them to make the choice whether they want to speak to the mechanic or not has really, um, has, you know, has put them at ease in regards to, you know, whether I have technical knowledge or not doesn't matter anymore because they have the ability to, to chat with someone else. You raise, in a roundabout way, quite a interesting point in that, um, I, so I was in a situation similar to yours, being a builder's wife, I didn't really know how to build a house. I understood the sequence, I suppose, but I don't have any of the technical knowledge, and yet I ran a construction company. So yeah. I, I, I guess my question to you would be, how important do you think having that trade-based knowledge is when it comes to running the business? I think it is important to have a base of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, not, I mean, not having any knowledge at all is dangerous mm-hmm. because you speaking to a, speaking to a prospective customer or an actual customer and having no knowledge about, about what business you're in, regardless of what business it is, mm-hmm. whether it is a trade or if it's a coffee shop or, you know, or your you know, you've got your selling products or whatever. You need to have at least a minimal level of knowledge. Mm. Um, but I think at the same time, you can't. If you're not a if you're not a tradesman and you're not on the tools all the time, you can't have all that knowledge. It's about having a understanding and reflecting on the fact that you know that you don't have that knowledge, mm-hmm. and how are you going to proceed? when somebody asks you to provide that knowledge. Mm. So it's about being really, um, it's about being adaptive and it's about adapting to situations and it's about providing people with the most, um, I guess, transparent information that you can give them. So by telling them that you're not a tradesman but you have some knowledge and you can provide them with, you know, X, Y, Z, but if they want something more detailed or more accurate or they want to know exactly what's going to happen at this point in time, then, you know, understanding how are you going to do that is really going to help your business. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, running a business isn't necessarily about having all of that knowledge. You certainly need to understand how the job gets done and the sequence to that so that you can assist your client base. But understanding how to run a business is equally as important as it is for somebody to understand whatever the trade might be, which is exactly what you're explaining. And so one of the other issues that we hear really frequently from women in construction is how uncomfortable it was for them in the beginning because they didn't have that knowledge. Um, Certainly plenty of women run into obstacles with their perception of being involved in the business, although we find that that's not such a great challenge at the moment. It seems to be um, slowly progressing in a positive direction. It's the self-confidence to stand up, I suppose, and say, actually, I don't have knowledge in that, but I can point you in the right direction, or I don't know how to answer that question, but I'm going to get an answer for you. Was that a challenge for you at any time to be able to put, I guess, ego aside and say, no, I'm ready to be that transparent person that you're referencing? Um, I mean, I'd love to say that I had a little, I had some some issues with that, but I, I didn't mm-hmm. because 
Unfortunately, I've got two brothers. One of them <laughs> works in the trade. The other one, I don't know, does something else. And who knows what he does? He does one thing one day and another thing another day. <laughs> um, but I think there was a perception in my parents' mind that at some stage, one of the boys was going to take over the business. Mm. And it was never their intention. I whether I mean, it's not malicious. Uh, but it was never their intention for their only daughter mm. to get into a very manly field. And I think that by really persevering and understanding that I'm never going to be that person who knows everything and I'm never going to be that person who is going to have all the knowledge in this industry, but I will be the person to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um really was the lamenting factor to to being as transparent as possible. Mm. Um, it it wasn't really difficult for me to to um, to tell to, it's not really difficult for me to tell people that I don't know because I know the consequences of pretending to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, only I guess because I've seen the industry from such a young age and because my dad was a really big figure in the industry, you know, in the nineties and in the two thousands, I heard a lot about how other businesses were doing. I heard a lot about how, um, I guess other people, regardless whether they were men or women, um, how they ended up conducting business and their shortfalls, when they didn't know something, their egos really got in the way. And I really did not want that to be um, part of how I was going to run my business or how I was going to even function as a person in my parents' business. Mm. Um, Because I've seen how disastrous ego can get you, especially in this world where, you know, word of mouth in any trade is really important. And if you're a pretender or if you're too scared to be honest and say that you don't know and you get ego in the way, there can be a lot of negative repercussions. And I didn't want that to be part of, I guess, my my business journey. And so um, transparency for me was a really big part of, um, of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to conduct my business. So I didn't really have an issue with being transparent or being vulnerable and saying, look, I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm going to give you the information or I'll go research the information or I'll ask the person who is going to be working on your car to give you the correct information or would you like to come in and have a chat with the mechanic? So all of that was was part of what I really wanted to do and how I really wanted to conduct myself. Sorry, <laughs> Warwick and I often go to ask a question at the same time. You go, Warwick. Oh, I just I wanted to maybe um, this will take us off track a little bit, but uh, you've obviously purchased the business, Lydia. I was curious yep. to know what that transition was like, and uh, you know, I guess you've come in and taken over the the leadership of the team and. And now responsibility for the business and the marketing and talking to customers as well. By the sounds of it, um, how did yep. that go? Oh, look, this is. I'm going to make a really long story short because I don't <laughs> want to bore anyone. Um, 
so uh, initially, so my parents have had two shops which was one was mechanical, one was auto-electrical. And initially, the whole idea was that we were going to purchase a percentage of the entire business and run it with my parents. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that romantic idea was, um, yeah, it didn't really work out in reality. Um, So we had first, we'd, almost backed out completely from buying the business because unfortunately a lot of the issues that we were having that we were facing was that we we didn't have contracts to say that we were going to be partners. We didn't have, um, there was so much indecision from their side that we were so close just to pulling out all together and I, I was really distraught about that. And then when we we realized that actually we can take one business away from them um, by purchasing it. That, that solved a lot of problems. Uh, in the workshop side of things, I had no issues at all. We were really open and transparent with the guys in the workshop and said, look, we're, we're looking at taking it over. Both of our mechanics that we have actually had come up to us and said that they'd been offered jobs elsewhere but if we were taking over, um, they were happy to stay with us because they bought into our vision. Mm. And um, they both knocked back jobs that they'd been offered, um, either that were closer to home or for more money or a bit of both. Um, and that really, that was, I didn't expect that. I didn't, I didn't expect so much loyalty from people that I'd only been working with for, you know, five or six years. So it was, I didn't really have that much of an issue with the guys. It was more with trying to take over from my parents. Uh, But once we decided that we weren't going to own businesses together and that it was never going to happen and we decided to purchase one of of their two businesses from them, it was a lot easier from that point. But I had a lot of issues, which is a totally different story and I'm not <laughs> going to bore everybody with that. Did your parents find it hard to let go? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, it's a Pope Catholic. Mm. It's just, it's one of those, it was really, really difficult for them to lose control. Mm. For them, control was ev- is everything. And for them to give away control was so difficult. And I mean, even the control that they gave away was pretty minute in the grand scheme of things. Mm. So, yeah, super, super hard. (laughs) Are they still in business in the other business that you're talking about? Yeah, they are. They are. And we're still operating as sister companies. Okay. Uh, So we still trade between each other and uh, I still use, the skill sets that they have and um, and they still refer customers to us and we refer customers between each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still doing business together as they previously had. Uh, so for our customers, that hasn't changed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that's really changed is back end in regards to, you know, giving each other bills and stuff. So sure. Sure. That's, that's the only thing that's changed. 
So Lydia, I'm really curious to understand how you put your own stamp on a family business that's been owned by your family for such a long time. How do you put a stamp on that says that this is your business now without, I suppose, well, I'm, I'm making a grand assumption here, maybe you do, uh, without wanting to change the face of the business, I suppose. Is that something that you wanted to do? Have you put a stamp on it the way that you would like to? Or is that something that's a, a slow burn, I suppose? Uh, it, it is a slow burn because people generally just don't like too much change. Mm. And um, so we've, we've adjusted the branding uh, just with colours and and um, a little bit of copy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so to the face of um, the face of the business is slightly different, but it hasn't really changed that much. I think what I what we found as we were looking at how were we going to do this? How were we going to get people to perceive us so that they didn't think that there were just new people who didn't care about their cars coming in mm. because that's the issue. When new people take over, you're always wondering, oh, are they going to take care of my cars just like the other, pe- the other people were? Mm. Are they going to be just as good as they were or am I going to have to go and look for an- another mechanic? Um, the thing that really worked for me is that my mother ran the mechanical workshop. Oh, wow. So there was, all, yeah, there was already a woman at the front desk that's great. For me. Yeah, so that was so that really worked in my favour. Mm. The other thing that works in my favour is that my mother is a really um, proud grandmother. <laughs> so when I had my daughter, half of Hornsby knows who my daughter <laughs> is now. That's and lovely. I am I think I, I kind of made a joke out of it and I made a label for myself for people who were current customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my label for current, when they ask my mum, they're like, oh, is Bronca there? And they're like, so, no, she's not here. I'm her daughter. I've taken over. But you probably know me better as Bronca's grandchild's mother. <laughs> um, and everyone responds to that because they're like, oh, yeah, so that's your daughter. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So that's the talking point into getting people to, I guess, let down their guard a little yes. bit and to to realise that, oh, it is staying in the family. And, you know, I am going to get taken care of just like I had before. And it also works that I look quite like my mother. I look like a younger version of her. So a lot Uh of people come in and be like, oh, yes, okay, and we see the resemblance. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you are Duncan's daughter. So that that really works in my favour. I think utilising the family brand and saying I do use second-generation in my uh, marketing, so I do say that we are sec- a second-generation family-owned and operated business. Mm. Uh, I utilise that to my to my benefit, um, and on our website, I have a fo- like a candid photo of myself, my husband, and my daughter mm. as the faces of the business because that's who they're going to see yeah. when they come into the workshop. So, Lydia, one of the things that um you've mentioned is sort of going from corporate life to essentially, uh, you know, small business ownership. Um, Mm -hmm. Has there been, well, no doubt there's been good and bad uh, aspects of that change, but what what have some of those things been? Yeah, I think, I mean, the good thing is that I'm not, 
I'm not really good at office politics. Um, <laughs> How did you survive in corporate I, life then? Yeah, I think I'm just a bit too honest for people and it's just, yeah, it doesn't really bode well um, when you're, when other people are trying to play political games and, mm. and you're just, you're just not having any bar of it. Like, I, I don't like, you know, boys clubs and girls clubs and, you know, like cliques and stuff like that. I've never really been a fan of any of that. And so, I mean, leaving all of that behind has been great and I haven't had to deal with that since. Obviously, there's politics everywhere, but office politics is the worst. Um, what I found really difficult, obviously, is that your hours totally change. I mean, you look at, you look at people who are successful and you think, wow, they're, they're doing it, they're making it. The thing that you don't see when people are successful is that they're waking up at four or five in the morning. They get out of bed, they get ready for work, they go to work, they open up early, they, um, they're working until late at night, they're sacrificing either family time or they're sacrificing, you know, going to the gym or, or whatever it is that they're doing so that they can, that they can be successful. I think the, the regime and the time requirement has been a little bit difficult to get used to. Mm -hmm. um, the two months before I actually took over, I was doing all the business licensing and doing the ABNs and setting up the business and, you know, getting everything ready so that when we did open up as a brand new business from the 1st of July, that we were ready and set to go. And halfway through July, I think I went to bed for an entire week Mm -hmm. at 8 o'clock at night. As soon as I put my daughter to bed, I went to bed because I was just exhausted um, because getting everything prepared and getting everything ready and being a small business owner, you rely on yourself. Of course, you can hire other people to do certain things, but when you're, start when you're starting up a business or taking over a business, you can't have too many costs that are outlaid because you need to recoup those when you open up and it's very difficult to, you know, to put 40, 50, 60 grand on the table um, just because you don't want to do something. Mm -hmm. So you need to, there's, there's a lot of time that's involved, which is, I think that's, that's the difficult part of being a small business owner. You really have to have that resilience to be able to push through, you know, being tired or, doing things that you don't like to do because they need to get done. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I take my hat off to everybody who is a small business owner because it's hard. It's not an easy job to do, but at the same time, it's so rewarding because once you get to a certain point, you realize that you're the person who got you there. Mm. You're the person who, who got to that point. You and your team, you know, made it happen. And that is just, so rewarding and that's what you don't get from corporate life yeah you can make you can make a project go well you can get to a point where it's you know that you've been able to say that yeah you got this done and you got that done and you know that gives you a sense of achievement but doing everything you know to the standard that you want it and everything that you the way that you want to go and pushing through the bad times and the bad weeks and you get five 
bookings that cancel in a week and you think, oh my God, what am I doing? Mm. But just like pushing through that and having the resilience to continue regardless what happens is, um, and knowing that you can do it is, is the real achievement. Lydia, am I right in saying that you work with your husband now? Um, I do. He's actually contracting at the moment, mm-hmm. so he is not in the workshop right now. He got offered some money to do a short-term contract, which we couldn't say no to. Fair enough. Um, yeah, because it just, obviously, you need to say yes to some opportunities mm-hmm. sometimes, so that's that's what he's doing currently, but... Um, we have been working together and after Christmas, he will be returning into the business again um, and we'll be working again and hopefully no more contracts will be offered that we can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the transition into working with your life partner like? Was that difficult or an easy one for you? Uh, it can say a bit of both. Yeah. Um, I mean, working and living and spending every breathing moment with someone you know, you're going to have those times where you're just going to roll your eyes and be like, dude, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, just calm down. And, um, but other times, like, I just look at him and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm doing this with you. I'm sharing yeah. this with you. I mean, not everybody can do things with their partners. And I get that. And it's, it is a hard thing to do because you're in each other's faces all the time. Um, for us, what really works is that we're very honest and open with each other. Mm-hmm. And as soon as there's an issue that we feel is affecting either ourselves personally, emotionally, mentally, um, or as like as a couple, we try to talk about it as soon as we can. Obviously, mm-hmm. not in front of staff, <laughs> but um, but we try to talk about our issues and, you know, take time to really understand where each other is coming from. And we don't really thank, I'm really thankful to have found my husband because I'm, I like to just be myself and I, I, I don't like to be, um, I don't like to be forced into, into acting or trying to be someone who I'm not. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm allowed to be myself with my husband, which sounds like so gay when you say it like that. No, but, not at all. Um, but, you know, I I feel that I don't have any barriers or walls to being the person that I want to be every single day of my life. So working with my life partner is amazing because I know that I can tell him that he's being a dick <laughs> and I can tell him that he's doing a really good job and... and and he can tell me that I'm like overreacting or pull me up or he'll tell me, wow, babe, like this is amazing. So, and we both know that it's coming from a place, not of judgment, but, you know, trying to better each other. And um, I love working with him. Like he, and I can't wait for him to come back because I just... I prefer to share this with him than not to. And I think I didn't, I didn't know how we were going to go. I was really quite nervous in mm-hmm. the beginning because I thought, oh, what if, what if this is not the right choice for us? What if, you know, we as a couple are not strong enough for this? What if we haven't, you know, we haven't done enough to, in ourselves to, to withstand being in each other's faces 24-7? Um, but I think just being really open and honest with each other and and 
we both really love what we do in the workshop, so that really helps as well. Um, yeah, we, we haven't split up yet. So that's, good. <laughs> that's a good start. I think it's a blessing. I've always really enjoyed working with my life partner. Um, and I think it's one of those things that there's a real negative view on it from outsiders, uh, I say in inverted commas. But many people feel that it's um, going to be challenging or you hear all the time you know, maybe at a toolbox talk or on site or as you walk past the workshop, there's no way I could work with my wife. There's no way I could work with my husband. And yet it can be one of the most empowering things to do in that it expands your relationship in ways that you just don't get when you're just married. It's it's a really, you're facing challenges together in such a different format that you do in a relationship as opposed to being business partners. I, I think it's a great blessing. It's great to hear somebody talk so positively about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's just, it's just amazing. I I think, I think people who, people who say that oh, I could never work with my husband, I think that they might already have, I guess, somewhat maybe subconsciously a negative view on their relationship mm. and how they work as a team. And I think being together as a team, you really need to understand who your partner is mm. and you really need to understand how your partner ticks, what sets them off, what pushes their buttons and what calms them down. And I think by, by working together, like you said, it, you know, it really lifts you to a totally different platform, but you really get to understand a totally different facet of your partner things you'd never learn about them just uh doing the dishes and <laughs> fold, folding laundry together it brings out the best and worst in people i think true <laughs> that's why we hire cleaners <laughs> <laughs> nice so what does the future hold for the business lydia uh, look, I'm hoping I've got I've got a lot of grand plans. There's some things that I'm not going to say because they're really quite top secret. <laughs> um, um, uh, I wish. Uh, no, but we do. I mean, I'd love to. My dream when I was younger was to have to have many workshops, and I think that that is still my dream. I'd love to. I'd love to have this business working to a point where I can put someone else in the front uh, of the business mm -hmm. and then start another workshop. And I really want to, I guess, change people's perception on what a mechanic is. Um, I want to, there's still so much negative um, commentary just in public about, oh yeah, my mechanic rips me off or, you know, I, I don't know if I can trust what he says. Like mm. you don't, say that about your hairdresser That's so true. you don't say that you don't trust how your hairdresser cuts your hair or how your hairdresser colors your hair you mm. just go to your hairdresser mm. so i think that I, I think that actually happens with a lot of trades whether it's automotive yep. or in building or anything else there's a lot of negative uh connotations with going to a tradie oh they don't know what they're talking about because they're just a tradie mm. whereas you actually have to have a real level of intelligence to be able to build a house or to fix a car or to, you know, to make a plumbing system. Mm. It, it takes real intelligence and I think trying to change people's perceptions is really, 
I want to make a mark on the automotive industry, which also sounds a bit gay. But um, <laughs> but I I really want to I really want to make a mark and and get people to understand that mechanics you can't go shopping for the cheapest price and expect the best quality service. Yeah, you need to go to your mechanic for your relationship with your mechanic. If you trust your mechanic, if you have a good relationship with your mechanic, they're going to and understand that they actually care about whether your car is working correctly or not, then I really want people to change their mindsets about how people in the automotive industry treat everyone else. Unfortunately, we can't, you know, we, we're tainted by the same brush, especially when it comes to everything that you hear about when people are, you know, selling cars and fixing cars and designing and making cars and so you just say oh well everybody who deals with cars is dodgy Mm. and I'm sure that you guys probably find that you have similar issues within you know the building industry as well Mm. yeah unfortunately it's very common you've really voiced that perfectly and I love that that's something that you're trying to change in fact I want to get some angels singing and shove them in there when you're talking about it because it is so important and it's just something that's been neglected but I see just recently in the last six months or so there's been a lot more talk about the professional nature of tradies I think we've forgotten it for such a long time it's just been oh well if you didn't go to uni you can be a tradie well in actual fact you need a lot of smarts to be a tradie it's not a space for people that don't have high levels of intelligence. And I think that's so totally neglected and forgotten. I'm pleased to exactly. hear somebody else that can see that. Exactly. And I think I think the other issue, um, just a slight tiny segue, but the other issue that I find is that in schools nowadays, in schools previously, you know, you'd be saying, what are you interested in? What can we, what, where can we, direct you to but now it's like what are you good at mm. where are you going to go you're not good at anything why don't you just go to taste and go get a trade mm. so you're pushing people who are interested i mean i've got my dad's got a um, mechanical engineer who got sick of living the office life and didn't didn't want to be there anymore he'd been you know he's an extremely intelligent man and he decided at the age of 42 that he needed, he needed a change, and he decided to take a massive pay cut and um, and go into and become a mechanical apprentice. Mm-hmm. And now he works as you know one of the lead technicians in the in an auto electrical company. So, like understanding, you know, if you understand that your kids or you know young adults have an interest in something which is not university related. Mm-hmm. You know, you really need to foster that interest because otherwise we're going to get stuck with people who don't care about what they're doing. They're just there because somebody told them that they should be doing it. And, you know, and then you have all these other people who have gone to university who are really depressed and hate what they're doing and feel like that they've lost out so much because they didn't do what they really loved early on in life, whether that be in woodworking and metalworking looking at cars in, you know, in making things, um, using their hands just because somebody told them you need to go and get a university education because 
you're not going to amount to anything unless you go to university, which is a real, like, sad shame for our for our current time period where we have no one who is interested in understanding how are we going to get people who love doing these jobs in trades actually in trades. It is such a good uh, summation of, uh, I guess, one of the key issues for the trades is is just this um, notion that they're second second choice. You know, it's like a fallback yeah, position, right. and it's so crap. Um, and I'm one of those people that went to university for exactly what you're saying, and you know, no regrets in life, I guess. But uh, yeah, I would have preferred to go on the tools. Mm. <laughs> I wish I hadn't yeah. done university. I hated it. So Yeah, I mean, I, I failed the first three years of university because I was forced to be there and I mm-hmm. got drunk at the at the bar <laughs> for the first three years and racked up, you know, my hex fees. And now, I'm, now I have hex fees that need to get paid off because, you know, I decided to go binge drinking because I got forced into university. So Well, I love like, that you're paying I, it off by running a mechanical yeah, business. Yeah, me too. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know. Slight bit of irony in that. Yeah. Lydia, is there... Oh, uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> is there... Um, a question I ask a lot of our guests, most of our guests, is there's one thing that you could share with all the tradies in business listening, uh, what would that be? I guess the thing that I would share, which I is be authentic, be true to yourself. Understand what it is that you deliver as a tradesman and to customers and just be true to that. Uh, Be honest because people can sniff out when you're worried about telling them something. If you go into a house and you need to relay floors and you find that there's an issue, there's a hole in the floor, people don't want you to say, oh, uh, yeah, there's an issue here and walk around it in eggshells. You know, just tell them. Tell them the truth. Tell people what they need to hear. And if they don't like it, then let it go. You don't need to service every single customer. You don't need to undercut other people to be in the race in the bottom. You need to do what you do best. And if you are true to yourself and true to what you do, and true to what you love, then you will find that you will get the customers that want to work with you and are willing to pay the money that you are wanting to get for those jobs. If you want to do high-end jobs, then you need to, to work to get there, obviously. You need to get um, a certain amount of um, certain amount behind you to be able to get to that point. But you need to understand where your goals are and get there. Don't undercut jobs because you need the money right then and there. And I know that is such a hard thing to do. <laughs> and it's really hard if someone goes, oh, but the guy down the road quoted me two grand less. So why aren't you going to the guy down the road? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, because I don't like his work. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So don't make me do something on the cheap because you want my level of quality, but you want the other cheap-ass prices of someone else who doesn't give a sh- like, uh, okay, sorry, almost four, but <laughs> who doesn't care, 
who doesn't care about the quality of his work. You need to be true to yourself. You need to be transparent. You need to stick to your guns. Mm. You need to say, look, these are my prices. I understand that this is this might not be what you're looking for, but this is what I can actually deliver for this price. Don't sell yourself short and don't make your business about just getting money because if you are in it just for the money and not for anything else, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be around in five to ten years, maybe not even in two years because your love and passion is what comes through. And that's what people end up talking about. Oh, he was such a good guy or she was so amazing at that job. You know, they did such a good job in my house. Look at my floors. Look at my car. You know, look at my walls. Look at this job here. It was so good. You know, people don't be like, oh, yeah, they did it on the cheap. Yeah, it looks kind of mediocre. Mm. You know, that's, you, you need to build your own brand up and you need to be transparent, you need to be honest, and you need to be true to yourself. And that's the only way that you should be running your business. Love it. Very well put. Lydia, we couldn't have said it better ourselves. Mm. <laughs> We've tried. Thanks. But, uh, <laughs> so uh, if, if people want to go stalk you guys, uh, what's the best way to do that online, Lydia? Yeah, we're currently only on Instagram. I don't have a Facebook page yet, partially because I don't like Facebook. But um, unfortunately, I haven't posted a lot recently because I've been really busy. Uh, but if you want to stalk us online, it's at bar, B-A-R-R underscore auto uh, is our business. And if you want to check out my dad's business, you can. You don't have to. <laughs> uh, it's at Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, auto. Um, nice. They're on Facebook and on Instagram only because I put them there. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Nice work. Well, Lydia, thanks so much uh, for the chat today. It's been great to get, uh, I guess, a bit of a different perspective on um, on a trade business. And I love hearing from uh, women like yourself who have sort of stepped in and, and uh, you know, grabbed the reins of a trade business and, and making it great. So well done and, and thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure being on the show. And um, if you ever want me back, (laughs) just give me a yell. I'm happy to come back. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.